And after the same manner, Jesus took the cup and he said, this cup represents my commitment to you. My commitment to you. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. I invite you to pass your cups to the aisle. And as you do, I invite you also to take your, take your program again and turn with me uh, to the first flyer on the left as you open it up. Or you can turn in your Bibles either way because we want to focus together on another portion of Scripture. This one is found in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 32. In Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 32, the amplified version that's in your program says, Be kind and helpful to one another, tender-hearted, compassionate, understanding, forgiving one another, readily and freely, just as God in Christ also forgave you. As I was preparing and praying about this today, I concluded that of all of the things that we struggle with and all the things that we look to in life, we've been talking about freedom. I thought it was really important to kind of put these, these together. Freedom only is available in Jesus. Jesus said he was the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through Him. Jesus also said in John 8 that when you know the truth, the truth will set you free. When you come to the truth, when you come to Jesus, He will give you rest. He will give you rest. And I think it's so important for so many of us who have at one point in time in our lives come to Jesus and He has given us that rest and we experience that firsthand being forgiven, being free. You know, we, we remember it. We remember it well. I think it's important for us to re, reassert that freedom. As you consider Psalm 116, verse 7 and 8, for example, he says, Return to your rest, O my soul. Return to your rest. It is so easy. It is so easy for us who began Whenever you began your relationship with Christ and you came to Him and you trusted Him, it is so easy once having begun over a period of time to forget, to forget what set you free in the first place and to go back into the same old bondages and the same old practices and habits, to go back to carrying everything, to being weighed down, to becoming weary and it's, it's really... It's really important to return to your rest. Return to your rest. He goes on to say, For the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. Thou hast rescued my soul from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling. Return to your rest, O my soul. Return to your rest. 
And when you return to your rest and you, f- you find out how, how really precious it is to be set free from all that burden, here's, here's one of the things that most of you know and have experienced, but a reminder, coming to Jesus for the first time is very, very critical. But coming to Jesus one time and never coming again is insane. It's really crazy. The invitation come unto me is something that people who've been striving so hard, maybe religiously, to make it on their own and they realize, I can't do it, it's just way too much. And they they come to Jesus and he sets them free. You have to keep on coming and coming and coming and coming. You have to keep coming. And when you come to him, you'll find, as I mentioned earlier, he says, my yoke is easy. My yoke is easy. And I told you the word easy there, the word easy is, is describing the, the fact that it's not a chafing, it's not a rubbing, it's not a stress-resulting experience to be yoked with Jesus. He doesn't cause friction, He doesn't cause pain. He doesn't cause heartache. He sets us free from all of that. That's why he says, my yoke is easy. My yoke is easy. The Greek word is krestos. My yoke is krestos. Some of you are saying, why is that so important? Well, because when you come to Jesus, he not only gives you rest, but in the process of giving you rest, He completely changes you and transforms you and you now have a new identity and we've gone through this before. A new life in Christ. All things are become new. All things are passed away. It is absolutely a wonderful, wonderful, eternal lasting truth. But because you're different and changed, now in that freedom, you have the ability to do things you could not do before. And we've talked about many of those, and I want to hone in on one because I believe it is the one single solitary thing that is destructive, not only to the human spirit and the human individual, but destroys families and churches and organizations. And that is an unforgiving spirit. Nothing kills and destroys life more than being unwilling to forgive. And this morning, some of you may be here and you may have people in your life, you may have situations in your life, you may have challenges right now directly related to the fact that you have not forgiven someone. In fact, you may even be suffering physical issues because of a lack of forgiveness. So just as you come to Jesus and he gives you rest, I invite you, because of that rest and the connection I'm going to show you, now to exercise that same power and that same benefit and that same privilege in extending forgiveness to others. See, already, just by bringing it up, you don't need an iPhone Just by bringing it up, some of you have already flashed in front of your face in your mental psyche 
the faces of the people you still have not forgiven. Some of you. I don't know if it's a father or a mother. I don't know if it's a family member. I don't know if it's a co-worker. I don't know if it's a boss. I don't even know if it's the, some, if somebody you, you just kind of got cut off from this morning coming to church. It really doesn't matter. In this passage here, Paul says, be kind to one another. Tenderhearted. forgiving each other just as God in Christ Jesus also has forgiven you. The reason this is such an incredible tie, which is mind-boggling to me, is, is simply because of the invitation and the command. Matthew 11, Jesus has come to me and I will give you rest. Become yoked with me, you'll find rest. Because my yoke is easy. My yoke is easy. And I told you just a minute ago, when he says my yoke is easy, the word easy is Christos. My yoke is easy. Then you flip over to Ephesians 4.32 and he says, be Christos. Did you hear that? He says, be Christos. It's the same word. Be kind. Kind. Don't inflict unnecessary pain. Don't retaliate. Don't try to make someone pay for something. Don't hold on to the grudge. Don't let that bitterness turn into resentment that causes you relational and physical and emotional problems. Be Christos. Be kind. Jesus says, my yoke is Christos. My yoke doesn't cause chafing. My yoke doesn't cause friction. My yoke doesn't cause pain. My yoke doesn't result in the tearing up of of the individual with whom I'm yoked. And then he comes with Paul and he says, hey everybody, everybody who's come to Jesus, everybody who's been yoked with him, everyone who has received rest, he says to all of you, be Christos. Be kind. Don't rub people the wrong way. Don't cause unnecessary friction. Be Christos. And some people are saying, Bob, I'm sorry, but I think it's time for me to go home now. (laughs) This is a little bit more than I asked for today. It's Labor Day weekend. I just want to come to church, have a good time. You know, you're getting a little personal. Yeah, I am. Because this is personal. This is personal. I'm not speaking to you. I'm speaking with you. God is speaking to us. And he's saying, you need to have goodness combined with, with serviceableness. You need, to, you need to look at people from the perspective of the, 
of the Lord Jesus himself. And he who knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. He's telling us that we need to be yoked like that with people. Kind. Kind. Instead of causing trouble, we need to set people from trouble. Christos causes no discomfort, no chafing, no rubbing, no irritation. Christos, kind. Be kind one to another. And then he says, not only that, but be tender-hearted. Tender-hearted. you know what that word means? Tender-hearted? <laughs> well, in the original, in the original Greek, it, it means to have healthy, strong flowing bowels. Quite a picture, right? Tender-hearted. Tender-hearted. In the physical sense, it means everything works and flows really well. There's no irritation in the bowels. There's no blockages. There's nothing keeping everything from moving the way it's supposed to. And then this word, which was used in a medical sense, is brought over into the spiritual sense and is talking about the fact that you and I need to be compassionate. Things need to, be, need to flow smoothly. We don't need to cause blockages. We don't need to cause problems. We need to be tender-hearted. Tender-hearted. Let your heart go out to others. Feel their sorrow. <laughs> it's really kind of amazing Tender-hearted, you know, talks about the issue of, of your, your physical movement, everything. You don't... <laughs> have, you ever, have you ever paid any attention to your bowels or to anything that's going on within you during the course of your day or week unless there's trouble? Do you pay any attention to it? Yeah. No. Why? Because it's all working just fine. It's causing no trouble. But as soon as it causes trouble, one way or the other, what happens? You go, oh, ow. See, tender-hearted means everything is smooth. It's compassionate. It's loving. It's seeing people that are drowning and not making fun of the fact that they're drowning. It's seeing people that are drowning and helping them Recover, it's saying, hey, come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. And then he says, forgiving one another. Forgiving one another. Some of you probably have watched the, uh, the Houston story and everything that's been happening and the challenges. And you may have noticed the chemical plant where certain, certain buildings that had chemicals within them and they couldn't keep them cool anymore and they exploded Burned. All the stuff burned. It was okay. It was a controlled burn, I guess. But they couldn't do anything about it. It caused combustion and it blew up. And it blew up. Unforgiveness does the same thing in the lives of those who refuse to forgive. It combusts, can't be cooled, 
can't be brought under control. And the temperature around and everything else impacts it to the place where it explodes. And where it explodes is unpredictable and often very, very uncomfortable. And sometimes when you're in this kind of a situation, you, you find yourself saying things or doing things, and afterwards you go, oh, man, that was just not good. Not good. And you realize, just maybe, there's a reason attached to that. And more times than not, the reason is right here. Right here. Be kind, tender-hearted, forgiving one another. Forgiving one another. Do you remember when Jesus was on the cross and he said at the very end, to tell us die? It's finished. Finished. Paid the price. Stamped it. Shed his blood. It's done. At that moment, Jesus and God in Christ forgave all the sin of every human being of all time for all time. At that moment, Jesus said, it is finished. He paid the price. He forgave sinners of all their sin, past, present, and future. Jesus doesn't wait. God doesn't wait until you come to your senses and realize that you've you've really messed up and you need a Savior and you come to Jesus and you say, will you please forgive me, God? God doesn't say, okay, 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 okay. Jesus, go die again. Got to pay for this guy's sin. What God did for us He did one time for all time for all people. He forgave us on the cross. Now just because you're forgiven by what Jesus did on the cross does not guarantee that you are heaven bound. It's like the person who receives millions of dollars but is never aware of it. He has no clue. It's his inheritance. But he's never claimed it. He's never signed the paperwork. He's never said, I accept. Same thing is true here. Jesus paid it all. Jesus forgave us on the cross. When we come to our senses, we approach say, God, forgive me. And he said, done. Done. See that? See that cross? When Jesus died... Done. Tetelestai. Paid in full. Accomplished. Over. We just come to our senses. And afterwards we go, man, what have I been doing for all these years? Not coming to him who paid it all. So he says forgiving one another. And here I want to just a couple more things. So be kind is the yoking, right? Christos. Be kind, tender-hearted. Everything's flowing nicely. You're not causing any blockages. You're not creating any problems, you know, relationally and so on. And then he says forgiving, forgiving. Do you know forgiving is, is a powerful, 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 powerful 
and privileged experience. To be forgiven, there's nothing like it. To be forgiven by God is, is just um, unspeakable privilege. Forgiven. Forgiving one another even as God in Christ has forgiven you. Do you know this word forgive? Those of you who have any understanding or study as far as the Greek language, it's, it's the word uh, charizomai. Charizomai. What does that first portion sound like? Remember last week we talked about the gifts of grace and, and Paul said, I don't want you to be ignorant of the charismata, the gifts of grace. Grace, charismata, gifts of grace. Here, he says, you need to be forgiving one another. You need to be charizomai, the act of giving grace. The act of giving grace. That's what Calvary was all about. When Jesus died on the cross, he extended grace to us. You know what grace is, right? Some people are graceful, some people have a lot of grace when they walk into a room. We're not talking about any of that. We're talking about grace. Grace is giving someone what they do not deserve. It is the opposite of what they deserve. You and I deserve condemnation. Because of our sin, we deserve hell. We deserve that. But God doesn't give us what we deserve. He gives us grace. He gives us himself. He gives us love. He gives us unconditional love. He gives us the privilege of knowing him when we have no right to know him. He is holy, we are not. And he says, come to me, I'll make you holy. We could go on and on. We could go on and on. So forgiving one another is the act of giving grace to someone who doesn't deserve it. So someone does you wrong. You know, someone done somebody wrong song. Somebody does you something wrong. You have two choices. As a Christian, you can be kind. Don't create friction. You can be tender-hearted, compassionate, recognize this, this individual may be in a, in a world of hurt. And you can forgive them. You can give them grace instead of judgment. You can give them grace instead of condemnation. But I'll tell you, according to the scriptures and Jesus' own teaching, if you do not give grace, Matthew 18 says that you will be put into a, an emotional, spiritual prison until you come to your senses and you give forgiveness. It is, it is so important so he says, forgiving one another. And then he says this. He says, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. As God in Christ forgave you. And I want to just take a brief moment and show you from things that we've talked about before 
just want to take a brief moment and show you visually how God in Christ forgave you. Because the concept, even though it is basic, the concept is so critical. How did God forgive you in Christ? Well, when Jesus Christ went to the cross and he died there on the cross, he paid our sin, the price of our sin, which was death. The wages of sin is death, Paul says. So Jesus went to the cross and he paid our debt. Now, from a conceptual understanding, that's easy. But it's so important that we bring it down to where the rubber meets the road. What does that mean? It means that when Jesus Christ died on the cross, God took every single sin you've ever committed. Action, thought, anything, everything. God took it all and he laid it on Jesus. Are we, are we on the same page so far? He took it all and he laid it on Jesus. God did. Jesus paid it all. And then after Jesus died and he said, it's finished, I've done it, the price has been paid. The Bible tells us that Jesus himself then ascends to the Father and he's now at the right hand of the Father, not only praying for us, but being our lawyer, our representative. Why? So that Jesus himself can say about every single one who's come to Jesus, Dad, I paid that debt. I paid that debt. So God in Christ gave us grace. He forgave us. Now we're told, just as God in Christ forgave you, you should forgive others. You should forgive others. So we're going to play pretend, just briefly. You know, when I walked in this morning, Mercedes, she offended me big time. She, well, I won't tell you what she did. She just offended me to no end. This is, we're playing pretend. Okay. Just pretend. All right. So she offended me. I had a couple of choices. I could kick her out, which nobody would have liked. Drawn too much attention. I'd get in trouble. I could talk back at her. I could let her know how badly she treated me. I could do all that kind of stuff. Or let's, let's be very simple and clear. Or I could take the hurt... See, when, when someone does something to you and you're hurt and offended, you automatically put guilt on that person for what they did. It's automatic. They're guilty. So what do I do? If I'm going to follow the teaching I've just described to you where God in Christ forgave me, I need to take the guilt off of her just as God took the sin off of you and me when you come to Jesus. I need to take that very guilt off of Mercedes and I need to own it. Are you with me? 
You're saying, Bob, that's ridiculous. That's called grace. That's what Jesus did. I need to own it. And what do I do with it? I give it to the one who paid for it. I give it. I give Mercedes. I give the hurt. I give the sin. I give the whole thing, the resentment, all of it, whatever it is. I give it to Jesus who paid for it. And Jesus then, before the Father, says, Yep, it's paid for. And grace is given. Grace is given. This is not easy to do. In fact, it's impossible. It's impossible. You can't do it and I can't do it. The only way we can do this is how? Come to Jesus. Get yoked with him. His yoke will not cause friction. And so now because you have his character and him living in you in the person of the Holy Spirit, you can now be Christos to other people. Be kind, tenderhearted. And you can forgive just as God in Christ forgave you. And you can be free of it. You know, the person that you forgive may never know. They may never know that they did anything. All the better. And then there's other times when people will know. They'll know. They'll know what they did. But it won't have any impact on you or the relationship because you have now forgiven. It's gone. You have extended grace. You have given what's not deserved. Just as God gave you what was not deserved. Only by trusting in Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit can you do this. And you must do it. You must do it. Some people don't forgive because they think if they forgive, God's going to let them off the hook. Well, if you read the Bible, the Bible makes it clear that if you don't forgive, not only God will, will not, not only will God not deal with that person, God will deal with you until you get your act together and forgive before he deals with that person. Some people go through their whole lives saying, God, how come you haven't dealt with that yet? And God's saying, I'm waiting for you. Hello? Come to me. Come to me. You and I are free in Christ to forgive. We are free to give grace because we've been graced. So this morning, this morning as the group comes up, I just want to remind all of you in passing that the offering will be at the end of the, during the last song. I'm not going to say it again. But as the group comes up, I just, want to, I just want to invite you this morning. If you have anything against anyone, if you have anything against anyone, forgive them. Don't wait until you leave. Don't think you can figure this out when you get home. Do it now. Do it now. Take the hurt Take the guilt, take the pain, take the sorrow, take the anger, 
take everything and the individual right now where you are and just in your mind imagine taking that all away, owning it. And then giving it to Jesus who paid for it. And let it go. 